and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and today we have a guest. Be our guest, be our guest. Max <laughs> McGonagall is our guest as I start to sing. Max is a good friend, a colleague from the Boston Celtics. Uh, Max, welcome to Front Office Features. Thanks for having me, Rob. That was quite the introduction. I am I'm honored that I got that that much applause from you. <laughs> you know, I don't know why, but sometimes I just randomly sing. And it just happens. I'm a terrible singer, but I don't I don't care. Like I'm just you gonna do it. You haven't done that at the office yet. Do you hop into rooms and just sing on your own? Yeah, go one of those like <laughs> I just go into one of the like like the little meeting rooms that we got and I just start belting out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to hear on Tuesday when we're in the office, you just singing coming from one of the rooms, and it's going to be Rob. <laughs> what the hell is that guy doing? What's a new guy doing in the in the, in the the conference room over there? Oh, I, I, It would make a ton of sense. I think, I think he's is – is he singing Whitney Houston? He's <laughs> <laughs> got great pipes. Uh, terrible pipes, um, but I do like to mess around a little bit, and uh, I think that's what we got. So anyway, uh, Max, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, I have not, you know, we do a lot of prep for this show. I think I wrote three things down on a post-it note. Um, but you have an interesting story. Um, interesting story, right? You're a young, young guy. Congratulations. Just got married. Um, thank you. And I want to, we want to know your backstory. Like, like where did you go to school? How did this all get started? Uh, and we'll go from there. So Max, who the hell are you? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) Let's start at the beginning way back. Um, no, so I'm originally from Atlanta and kind of grew up just generally loving sports and being tortured by gigantic Braves fan, gigantic Braves fan. 2021 was the best year of my life. All right. Um, so I'm not, I got to tell Braves fan. I got to, I got to interject. I'm sorry. Interject. Um, go for it. I was, I was born in rate. I was born and lived in Pittsburgh until I was like, I don't know, sixth grade, however long that is. Mm-hmm. I think and I know where you're going with this. Sid Bream used to play on the Pirates. And I was a kid, seven, eight years old when that happened. It was That was at 89, 90, something like that. So like nine, ten uh-huh. years old. And when Sid slid and the Braves won that game, I cried. I cried. I cried after a minute. That's I fair. cried. When Sid slid, I cried. And I tell that to my buddies. And any time like that, like, oh, 20, 40, you know, whatever it was, 35 years ago, uh, Sid Bream slid. And I get, they just send me those clips and it still hurts my soul. This is this is great to know because I'm just going to like rickroll you at the office with <laughs> random Supreme videos. <laughs> you have set yourself up for failure here, my I, friend. Uh, what else is new? Anyway, continue. Braves fan. <laughs> we got yeah. into, we got, we got one point in. All right, go ahead. Yeah, we got five minutes in. Um. Yeah, so born and raised in Atlanta. Um, I originally started or got an internship at one of the local radio stations when I was 13, 14 in high school. You got an uh, internship when you were 14 years old? Yep. Um, was lucky enough that kind of family friend was a, a local radio broadcaster and they kind of let me come in um, and would come in on the the weekend or weekdays after school from like five to seven and help just, you know, answer the phones, push people through for interviews, talk on the radio, um, cut high, cut clips with Adobe Audition and all that stuff. Um, and kind of just grew to love sports even more. And then ultimately wanted to do the broadcast journalism thing, right? Growing up, you're watching ESPN and seeing Scott Van Pelt and Stuart Scott. And those guys are like, those are rock stars for a young kids watching the highlights, especially with the old sports center. Old sports center, there's nothing better than old sports center. 
nothing where they actually showed highlights for an hour and there were only 60 second commercials. I remember the countdown clock and I was like 60 seconds, two highlights. Let's go. It is incredible. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Old sports center, much better than new sports center. Couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah, ultimately I uh, wanted to do the journalism route, went to BU, was lucky enough to get a scholarship there. Um, and kind of did the broadcast journalism route for four years. I hosted a radio show at BU. So keeping that radio stuff going, um, and then kind of got to my senior year, second semester, and realized I didn't want to do sports journalism anymore. How did that um, come about? Wait, so you're just like senior year, you're like ready to go, and you're like, nah, I'm good. Like, I want I, I want to do, like, yep. what was it that clicked in your brain that you were like, nah, I want to change my mind? Yeah, I, thought, I think it was a little bit of kind of going through the college process and going through all those courses for journalism and kind of just learning from a lot of professors and and you know, classmates that in order to become that like sports center host, right? Like you've got to pay your dues. And it's terrible to say I didn't want to do that in that regard, but paying your dues in like the journalism industry is getting a small gig at a local station in the middle of nowhere, Texas, covering high school football for years and kind of building that resume. And that just ultimately wasn't something that I found interesting, right? I just wanted kind of exact like that higher thing right away. And I wasn't ready for like that much of a lifestyle shift for something that I didn't love that much, if that makes sense. Yeah, you realize if you're not passionate and you don't love it, like then it's all right, now what? Which is a great realization right. to come to. It's not a bad thing. It's a really good 100%. thing. 100%. And like the, the thing about like the journalism stuff is that you have to really love that, like asking questions, sourcing it, like being annoying almost to an extent that people get back to you and answer it. And I was always just uncomfortable doing that. I, I remember I had a class in college where you were assigned to a local beat in Boston and I had Brookline and you had to like go stand at the police station and like badger people for answers about certain court cases. And I was like, I just feel uncomfortable because people don't want to talk to me here. And that's just not something I enjoy of being an annoyance in that regard. So that kind of spoke to me of, I don't know if this is for me. So Decided second semester senior year that journalism route wasn't what I wanted to do. But second semester, in- you, you you have literally like three I months, three left. months to figure it out. It was about in February. Um, and lucky enough, I, I found out about a program called the Manhattan Sports Business Academy. Um, it's no longer around, but when it was, it was a huge, huge resource to me. So I, re- I realized I still wanted to be in sports and the business side of sports because that's what I found interesting now at this point in my life when I was 22. Uh, Manhattan Sports Business Academy was basically a, an eight-week crash course, um, immersive program, networking program based in New York. They help you get an internship for the eight weeks. And while you're doing that eight-week program, you're going to speaker series at league offices or like agencies, kind of networking events throughout. So it was a huge thing for me because I ultimately got an internship at Relevant Sports Group, um, which is a European soccer agency that owns and operates the International Champions Cup, which is a, a preseason tournament for those uh, like Real Madrid, Barcelona to come play their preseason tournaments here in the U.S. So I ended up getting a marketing marketing internship there that summer after I graduated and was lucky enough to parlay that into a full-time role on the marketing team. And I, I mentioned MSBA because it's so important. Basically, every job I've been able to get throughout my career to this point is through someone I met that summer doing the Manhattan Sports Business Academy. So it shows you kind of that small nature of the sports world and kind of how everyone knows everyone and that's why networking is so important kind of in our field. Um, so tell, uh, I want to, uh, I want to go into that a little bit more, right? Yep. I use the term, you use the term. I'm lucky enough to get a full-time job from your internship to your 
to the full-time job at the agency. You got to be good, right? Like, how did you turn a lucky into a full-time job? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think the the part of it that was lucky for me is when I started at Relevant as an intern that summer, there was maybe 10 or 13, 10 to 13 total employees. So while it was a marketing internship, it really was a crash course into sports and what this agency did. Because while I was doing marketing, like traditional marketing of helping place out of home and identifying what markets and what radio stations to buy advertising on, and then also on the digital side, understanding how to push tickets from digital marketing. I was also working with the game operations staff and understanding like how they're running the game, working with our activation team from a part from the partner perspective, like how you're activating partner assets, because you truly in that sense have to do everything. So I was lucky enough to your point to kind of stay on because I was able to sit within so many different departments during a three month internship that Uh, they saw the value of this individual because of how lean staff they were. They saw that, hey, we're going to hire him for a marketing coordinator role, but he's going to be able to help everywhere because during these three months, he lended himself to every department. That's what I was hoping you'd say. One of the things that we've talked a lot about on this, correct? you you gave the correct answer Um, because we talk a ton about how important it is not only people hear networking and then they instantly think outside mm-hmm. right like you got the internship <clears throat> but then you networked inside and you were like over here over here over there and if and which eventually the result was led you to a full-time gig yep. if you were to just stay in your lane and put your blinders on and do that like Internship would have been over. You would have said thanks, right. and you would have moved on to the next thing. Who knows 100%. where your career would have went after that? Networking is more than just doing your thing, doing your thing, right? And it's right. more than just outside. It is internal networking is so important. Hundred percent, and that's why, like, whenever I, I go to you know I do speaker series at colleges or talk to sports management students, you know, the ones who reach out on LinkedIn and kind of ask for advice. My advice is always. Yeah, working for the big brand name in sports, if that's your goal, is always great and it seems cool on the resume. But when you're really starting out, the best role to get is an internship or somewhere that you can legitimately be a sponge for three months for so many different people and departments that you learn the holistic nature of what sports is. Because then eventually as you grow, you're going to become more targeted. That's just the nature of growing in a professional career. But Starting out, the best thing to do is find that small agency or that niche agency that needs someone to help across five departments so you can better yourself and learn as much as you can in a short amount of time. I always, I, I spent 17 years in baseball. That might be a little too long. Minor league baseball, right? <laughs> 17 years in minor league baseball. And the thing that I always say that I learned literally from day one, is business in general, right? I was 23 years old, though it may have been in Battle Creek, Michigan. And yes, there may have been feral cats fighting underneath a double wide trailer, which was our office. That's okay. Uh, it builds character. does build character, toughness. And But at the end of the day, during that season, not only was I selling groups, but I also started to understand what hospitality meant and costs associated with you know having a hospitality event. But also they were like, all right, you're now in charge of ushers. Here's a budget for your ushers. Oh, you're also in charge of the promotional team. Here's the budget for the promotional team and your props. Now it's like, hold on. I'm in charge of these two little businesses. The budgets might be 
you know, not even, you know, $5,000. Right. right. But like, right. but that $5,000 is incredibly important to me. And it was my little business. And right. the, to your point, the niche agency in my world, minor league base in my old world, minor league baseball, it teaches you business. And then yep. it just kind of grows from there. Now the business is not $5,000. It might be $50,000, which might lead to $500,000, which is $5 million, which, you know, then you start getting into the things like billions of dollars, right? Like yep. it's, but it teaches you business. And I could not agree with you more, especially when you're just getting going is like, you're learning the entire thing. Yep. A hundred percent. And like, there's no, there's no better experience than experience like on the job, right? Like no better experience you, than experience. You're, you're making t-shirts for me. You're uh, <laughs> I better get some. If you start selling those, I, I need <laughs> we start. We, yeah. We've got a cut. I got a Once legal document for you. Starts, to, let me know. I got, um, I got a legal document for you to send after this. Good. Good to know. Um, But yeah. So from there, relevant Um, got fired whole or hired full time. Hey, I, I've been fired, so I, I'm with you. If you got fired, <laughs> Larry, I, I, I promise I didn't. So Larry Lucchino told me this when I got hired with the uh, 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 Pawtucket Red Sox. He goes, what happened in Scranton? I said, new owners came in and they fired me. And he goes, every good man's been fired at least once. <laughs> I said, good. Advice to live by. Yeah. Um, so got hired full time, um, spent about a year in a, a traditional marketing role. Um, but it was funny when I, right when I started there full time, the entire marketing team left. So the oh. director of marketing, um, vice president of marketing and senior manager of marketing all left the week I started. So while the Smooth time transition, yeah, it started really well. Um, so eventually they hired a new vice president of marketing that took a couple months, but by the time that person started, I basically had had two and a half months to learn the entire business. Yeah, so right. probably the biggest was, blessing and a curse in the same time. Exactly. While it was completely scary that there was no like oversight of me at that time, I basically just took that two and a half months to learn our history of what we had marketed, how we marketed, what we did to market, what the budgets were, all of it. So that the new vice president of marketing, when they came in, I was basically their right hand person because I knew everything. So blessing and a curse to your point. Did a did a year there was was super fortunate enough to work on some awesome games. That summer we had uh, El Clasico Miami, which was the first time Real Madrid and Barcelona played in the U.S. Um, That's down awesome. in Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Um, also had Manchester Derby in Houston and Manchester City versus Manchester United. Like got to see some really cool events that summer that really kind of shifted that mindset of like, this is what sports can be, right? Of the business side of it and how grand it can be. Um so after that year in the marketing role, um, Relevant decided to bring their commercial um, business in-house versus having an agency help sell partnerships. And at that time, we hired a new chief commercial officer. Um, and when he started, he kind of started building out his team. And kind of I got really close with him or became close with him because as he started learning, he needed to understand what marketing assets to sell and how he could sell them for partnerships. And I was kind of the marketing person there and tracking all the assets. So he eventually asked me to join his side on the pre-sale team um, and kind of begin my pre-sale marketing solutions career there and building proposals, ideating assets and kind of managing pre-sale process for sellers. And that's kind of how I my career to date kind of expanded. As as you know, I right now my current role is heavy in that pre-sale, working with you and the rest of our sales heavy. to kind of build those proposals. Very heavy, 80% of my time. Um so that's kind of where I got the start. But again, back to the networking thing, 
Um, I was in that role for about a year and a half, um, moved on to Whistle Sports in New York, which is a media publisher. And the reason I got that role is because of a good friend of mine currently who still works there. I met him during the MSBA summer at one of the networking events and became really close with him. And when they opened up a role, he reached out to me and said, hey, I think this would be good for you and ultimately took it. And while I wasn't there a ton of time, I was there nine months. It really was an interesting crash course into the media industry because that's where everything is going nowadays, right? Like yeah, right. digital content, consumption trends, all of that has changed so much in the past few years, especially out of COVID, that while I was only at Whistle Sports for nine months in a similar pre-sale role, helping sell branded content, you learn so much about that type of world living in it day to day and how much there is to do there, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I mean, it's just it's a different world. It's a different yeah. that branded content and the content is just wild. The wild, wild west. It yeah, really right. is. And like like going through an RFP process from an agency or a digital agency, like the timelines you're working on are fast and swift to put together these grandiose content ideas. Like it truly is the wild, wild west, but like it's invigorating at the same time. Um, so I did nine months at Whistle and then again, back to the networking. Um, my The chief commercial officer at Relevant who asked me to join his team while I was there ended up knowing my boss at the Celtics that hired me for the role I currently have. Um, and kind of, I was planning to move back to Boston. I had just met my now wife who lived in Boston and it was like, it's time for me to go back. Um, and I went on LinkedIn found out who the hiring manager for the role was based on what the job description, who they said it was, who was the director of, you know, business uh, or strategy and business development, found out who that was on LinkedIn and saw they were connected to my former boss at Relevant and called in a favor and said, hey, can you connect with this person, send my resume over and the rest is history. And here I am. Hey, I wouldn't have it anyway. All right. So describe. Yes. By the way, it's a fantastic story and how you got like that. LinkedIn uh, connection thing is like so important. We're going to dive into that more here in a little Got to do some digging. Dig, dig, dig. Get a shovel. Um, <laughs> all right. On a t-shirt. Uh, we got, we have so many t-shirts uh, that we were talking about. Um, I, I said, I think out of my brain last episode, I think I said lost in the sauce. And uh, that's going to be uh, a t-shirt. That's going to be a t-shirt. That's anyway. the next step of the podcast is merchandising it. Yeah, probably should. Uh, that <laughs> takes effort and time. And um, anyway, oh, but I did the first. I I will say the first piece of front office features merchandise. Second piece of front office features merchandise. First was a gift. Second piece of front office features merchandise. I bought one of uh, Christmas gifts. I brought one for me, and I brought bought one for Chris. I'm giving uh, one to Chris uh, next week. And they are uh, front office features Yetis. Oh, there you and go. I got them in the mail yesterday. So after our game against Golden State, I come home. The first thing I do is rip open this box of front office features <laughs> Yetis. And I had my coffee in that this morning. There you go. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. All right. By the way, you said Wild Wild West. Yep. Right? That content was Wild Wild West. That Will, Smith, Will Smith song is stuck in my head right now. Wild Wild West. Midwest Desperado. Yeah, I'm not, not a big a movie, movie guy. I'm not a big movie. Oh, guy. oh boy. I'm not a big movie guy. It's not a great movie, but it's a good movie. You know, Ma- Max, I have not seen a a movie. Like any movie? Uh documentaries don't count. Okay. In ten years. At nah, least. 
that can't be true. There's 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 no way that's true. It might be longer. What is the movie? What's the last movie you watched? Energy? That's a great question. It's a great question. I don't I don't remember. I don't remember. It's and also kids movies don't count. Like you kind of get sucked into watching like Moana or whatever. Yep. Um, but like trolls. Uh, <laughs> I don't I, I don't remember. It's been like ten, maybe twelve years by now. I don't know. I lived in Rhode Island for seven years. That would have been like Scranton times. Maybe. Might be 10, might be 12, might be Omaha times. I don't know. We're, we're going to need to unpack this. Yeah, it's going to be a long one. Probably for a different pod. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm not a, a, not a movie guy. But anyway, I do like documentaries. There's 175 other episodes that I think, and Chris is a giant movie guy. And when he brings up movie quotes, like it just doesn't, like I have no idea what's going on. Just goes silent. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. <laughs> Back to the task at hand. I'm yes. like, uh, squirrel. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, now we got you LinkedIn. We're, now we're with the Celtics. So describe yep. what you do with the Celtics. And I am then going to describe when I first realized your job was like a job. So like, I want to, you go. This, this will be interesting context for you to go after. Um, but yeah, right now um, I oversee our partnership in commercial and your, strategy. What's your, your, your title is director of? Director of partnership in commercial strategy. Perfect. So kind of the best way to describe what we do is we're kind of an internal consulting and strategy group for all the revenue generating parts of the business outside of ticket sales. So um, corporate partnerships from a pre-sale perspective of working with you and the rest of our sales team of building proposals, ideating those assets, um, kind of building platforms for potential partners, managing our inventory, pricing all that inventory. So all that happens there. Um, we also are heavy, play heavily with our e-com space with uh, our partnership with Fanatics and manage kind of that relationship and also build sales strategies to sell more merch. Um, and then youth basketball, we work closely with the youth basketball team to help them with marketing and building their strategies. And then kind of when we did our NFT project a couple of years ago, we were heavily involved in that like promotional revenue strategy. And then from a large, larger perspective, we work super closely with the activation team of kind of helping them strategically activate our partnerships. Um, those guys were the experts of kind of the day to day and getting in the weeds and bringing our partnership assets to life that you guys sell. But we have been there kind of from the whole life of the partnership, right? Working with you guys from the very first conversation or second conversation you have of understanding the partner's goals and objectives, building assets and strategies around those. So we're super helpful to the activation or partner de development team of kind of understanding the best way to go about assets and how to strategically activate them, if that makes sense. I you am going to do a lot and a very helpful do a lot. <clears throat> we're about to have honest time with Rob right now. Honest time. Honest time with Rob. So during my interview process, I was talking about like the structure of the team and they brought your, uh, uh, they brought what you and our good friend, Mike, uh, does, here, Mike. by the way, if there's a tag team that has better <laughs> flow, there's no one better than you and Mike. It's incredible. It's incredible. It is literally incredible. You're great, great, great hair all the way around. Yep, top-notch hair. Mike Mike really added to the team with his hair. It totally. took us from, you know, base-level good hair to, whoa. No, I, I think you were upper-level good hair, and now you're, like, Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. 
This is there's not a better team. Like, show me two guys who work together that have better hair than you and Mike. I I will, I will fight someone to the death with my bare hands, uh, to <laughs> to show someone that's got better. I just don't believe it. I I can't. I don't know. I don't think so. All right. So honest time with Rob. Yeah. They were telling me about your role. Okay. And your, uh, your, what you guys do and how truly helpful you are to what we do. Right. When I first heard it, I was like, what the hell is this? It's like my favorite part of my job. Right. Like I'm thinking to myself, like, (laughs) what are, what am I going to do? Right. Like, because in the minor league world, right. I was used to activation. Um, you know, when I first got into my, you know, selling corporate partnerships, we would sell, we would activate, we would have to do it all. Literally in Omaha, I was in charge of the program, right? Like I would go to the printer and like make sure that the program was printed um, right. and make sure that I hung signs. Like we literally hung the signs. Um, and then in Scranton, we put together an activation team and then brought that concept to Pawtucket and I got activation. We have sales and activation, but the pre-sale right. team was like, where did the ideas come from? Max, let me tell you how these came from. I would go into a meeting, we would talk, and then something would pop in my head that would fit, and I would just spew those words, and they would sometimes like it, sometimes not, and then we would just do that, right? So, like, I would just make something up, right? But you help, actually. (laughs) It's so much more professional and well done. (laughs) But, like... I, that's still what we do now, but I will be honest with you. I was a little nervous. I was nervous. I was like, this is my favorite part of my job. Like coming up and creating the ideas and coming up with something unique that fits a partner's, what they're trying to do. And then going back and showing that to the partner and like, this is what we got to do. Like, come on. Right. And normally it works out pretty good. That was like my, like the, favorite thing to do and honest time with rob is i was nervous that was going to go away luckily that's the complete opposite i uh complete opposite is what actually has transpired you and i just go into a meeting we do the same thing and then instead of me having to go do other stuff like you just go make it happen <laughs> and it's great and then i just kind of go on and do my other do my other things so the flip side of honest time with rob is honest time with max okay so- honest time with max our, I think your first week when you started, we, I, you know, set up a meeting, me and Mike to meet with you and kind of, here's what we do. This is what you do, blah, blah. Um, and in that meeting, you said, my favorite part of the process is the brainstorm because I love to just throw crazy stuff out there. And if it works, we're going to make it work. And if it doesn't, eh, that's all right. Yeah. And we left that meeting. I looked at Mike and I was like, this will be a good time. <laughs> this will be fun. Because the brainstorming part of just the general sales process is the best part because you can kind of just say whatever you want from an idea perspective. And yeah, right. It's a it safe truly space. Is, it's the safest space. That's exactly <laughs> what they say. Because no idea is a bad idea. Because even if someone throws out the worst idea of all time, like top five worst idea or thought ever, there's someone in that room that could take whatever that person said and spin it into something great. So right. it truly is like the safest of spaces from a creative standpoint of just saying like, Let's do this. Eh, no, not that, but sucks, what? Not but, not that, but this. But let's this exactly. Yeah. So uh, after getting into it, I remember that meeting was at the old uh, offices two two six. And two two six. And uh, uh, old, yes, good, eh, debatable. Uh, now our offices are at the Taj Mahal, right? They're the greatest Top things. Notch. Insanity it's, makes coming to work ten times better. 
um yeah um so i left like i got my you know starting to get my feet wet and i was like oh all right i'm good right like this could happen like we're we're in good shape i'm fine but i was uh i was i was a little nervous i came back and talked to aim and i was like uh you know i love that part of it i was like i don't want that to be taken away i was feel like like that will part of me would leave uh but it's not the case at all so i appreciate that but it also what i will say this um a term that i learned working with the celtics is sell and repent right like i was i i i definitely have sold and repented in my life but here with the celtics whoops as i hit the microphone here with the celtics that doesn't happen because of you so what that does is takes an entire organization and gets it on the proverbial same page, right? Like, because yep. in a proposal, you could have a community idea. You can have a content idea. You can have a signage, live event, like whatever that it is together. Everyone, before the proposal even goes out, you're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're all good. And yep. then you go and pitch it and then we hopefully sell it. And then it's not like, hey, I sold this. Sorry. Right. I think... The, the biggest piece of that, right, is like, I think there's been a good shift in that partnerships are a benefit, um, not just at the Celtics, but generally across everywhere I've worked from yeah, where right. I started. It was kind of like partnerships and <clears throat> sales teams just kind of leave us out to dry because they sell it and then we got to figure it out. Yeah, it's now, just like F those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do they sell? Oh, great. Now we have to do that. Um, now it's a little bit of like our role specifically is to understand the partner's goals and objectives through you guys, but then also figure out the right way to fit those within the brand's goals and objectives. So in a sense, yeah, right. we're we're a little bit of like marketing, right? Because we understand what the marketing guidelines and brands is for the Celtics. And our goal is to figure out how we can help brands market within those marketing guidelines. Yeah, so. By having everyone on the same page, it just makes it advantageous for everybody to do the partnership because it's going to push forward a partner objective and our brand objective. And you help educate us on kind of what's going on in other pieces of the business. So it's like, oh, all right, I kind of get that. Yeah. Right. Infographics. Yeah. Inf info. God, I'm going to sell me an infographic <laughs> one day. Um, <laughs> right. So that's what you do. All right. Next thing I want to I, I, I want to get into. Yes. You and uh, Mike are hiring a person. They are. We. I've seen the job posted. People have reached out to me. Approximately, how many applications have you gotten? Oh, um, so I haven't checked in a while because we're, we're down the path now. But I think when we kind of solidified our, our list for that first round, we were around a thousand. A thousand? Yeah. It was, it was pretty hefty. I, I remember... It got posted on a, a Friday night and I woke up Saturday morning to just like um, look at the recruiter pro or, you know, uh, platform we have. Yeah. And I logged in and it was already at like 250 within like 12 hours and the job was posted at like 8 p.m. on a Friday night. Um, so it just exponentially grew very quickly. All right. Even better. A thousand people. Yep. Holy shit. It was <laughs> it was it was daunting. Let's put it that way. All right. So this, you have, I'm just envisioning this, right? Like I'm looking at a screen in my brain and there's just like page after page after page after page of resume, a page and page after like the application stuff, page after page of all this stuff. How in God's green earth are you taking a thousand 
to one, right? Like you got to get a thousand to like, you know, a smaller group and then a smaller group and a smaller group and a smaller group. Like what is your strategy? What is your process in doing that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I think it's It's a professional podcast. I only ask good questions. No, I mean, it's one of the most professional questions I've ever been asked. Um, I think I think the key, I mean, just high level and starting with that much of like uh, a database to start, right? It's it's identifying those key terms that you know are important to the role and seeing where those stick out and how people are almost prescribing what they do with those key terms. Because I think a key to any role that anyone is hiring for is ensuring that the person you're hiring kind of speaks the same lingo as you. Because especially when you're hiring for that, so the like, key terms that you put in level, so the key terms that you put in the job description, you almost want to see regurgitated back to you in the application. A little bit of that, but then also like specific to the role, right? So when you're looking at a job description and you see, for example, our role is very much so someone who's going to be a a digital strategist for partnership assets, so digital content, all that stuff for partner. So seeing someone who kind of hits the mark on saying, you know, like strategist, branded content strategist, like those types of terms that apply to like the role itself, seeing those are super helpful because then you understand that this person or the per- people you're looking at for the role are kind of speaking that same language as you of how you're looking for this person and what their experience is. So from there, you can kind of really narrow it down pretty quickly because out of a thousand applications, I'm sure you can imagine you, you get a few that aren't relevant no, no, <laughs> i think you're on the wrong planet buddy right um so you kind of start from there and then you know for me and that's everyone has their own kind of process to hiring but i truly went i narrowed it down to a few hundred and went through every application and looked at every resume <laughs> um yeah because I, I just think it's so important like it's hard to just like glance at a resume and just throw it aside right like i think it's when you are hiring someone and understanding that they're going to be an integral part of your team especially we're hiring at a manager level so hiring at that manager and above you like truly need to make ensure that that the person that you're or the people that you're, you're looking at for the role are fit for the role yeah. um so you need to do your due diligence so it's tough to like it's time consuming but in order to get the best person for the job, that's what you have to do. So how have people, all right, now we're at the, how have people kind of separated themselves? Like I, uh, I'll just leave it at that. How has people separated themselves besides the correct terminology? Yeah. So I think, and this is a personal thing and you guys as the sales team know that I harp on this 24 seven is I live by goals and objectives and being goal and objective or goal goal and objective oriented in our my role and kind of how we operate. So kind of whenever through the interview process, we're kind of in the middle of it right now. But the folks who have kind of made it to the round that we're currently on separated themselves by discussing how they use goals and objectives to create strategy. Right. Like, I think that's so important because it shows that you listen, which I think is just such like a a bare minimum thing that not everyone does. Uh, <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> so I think that for our role, what we do, especially working with you guys or working with the partner dev team to like understand those goals and objectives, listening is such a huge criteria for that. And like hearing folks say that like, Hey, when I'm working with a potential partner to understand like what, what channels their consumer promotion goes on, or if we're leveraging paid media to support it, like, hearing them say that I'm listening intently to what that brand wants 
is music to my ears because it literally tells me that you're taking the time to understand and hear what the people are saying to benefit the larger conversation. Yeah. So uh, the folks where we're at have basically harped on that. And that for me is like, well, yep, they get it. Has anyone cut the line? What do you mean? Like you talked about they're all the, the LinkedIn or the whatever that, however that they applied. Has anyone tried to cut the line as in like know somebody who knows somebody who then got into the several hundred list? Um, <clears throat> um not really. Really? Um, I mean, I think there's there's one or two people that were part of that a hundred that like I knew. Um, yeah. but and then there was another individual who was recommended to me by someone who works for the Celtics. Yeah. So that obviously like, that's a good one. That's a good way. Yeah. That's, it's a great way. And obviously allows me to kind of have that knowledge and trust that you come recommended. But I, I don't think that like influences my decision. If that makes Yeah. Sense. Right. It's just, but it helped them at least get through from a thousand. If they, if they did not have the right words yep. in the resume or cover letter or whatever the hell it was. Yep. At least yep. it got them to that round. It's like, I can maybe help you. I always say I can maybe help you talk to somebody. Yep. I'm not, you know, you got to take it from there, right? Like this 100%. is not my, you know, not my hire, if you will. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a big piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like to your point, like I can help anyone, like I can pass a name along at any time, like, but it's on you as the individual to kind of take that next step of like doing the due diligence of learning what the role is about and being able to speak to it. And prep like hell, right? Like yes. the hundred percent. I think that's one of the things that helped me with the Celtics is I was prepped like crazy when I was going to go talk to Gino and Ted and the rest of the crew. I was like, I knew anything and everything about everybody, right? Like, and I think prep is such a, a key part of this. So like if someone's hiring, if someone is interviewing for that role and they're in the last however many you're down to, they need to listen to this podcast. I couldn't agree more. They need to listen to the podcast. So, um, but I think also like, yeah, to that point, I think we've, as part of the process so far, we've had a few individuals who have like referenced specific partnerships of ours and what they saw on our channel. Love that. Love. And I, that show, again, it, it's similar to the listening thing, right? It's you're paying attention. Um, you're, you're, even if you're not like truly understanding the nuances of what that asset was or that campaign was, you're still acknowledging it and understanding that it occurred for some reason. And that leads it, that leads to like that goal and objective mindset of like, what caused this? I want to learn what caused this cool thing to occur. Right. I remember hiring a hundred, I don't know, of ticket, like ticket sponsorship salespeople and, I remember one of my go-to ticket, like if I was, if we were hiring a, you know, group salesperson, right. I would say out of our hospitality tickets, which one do you think provides the most value to the customer? And what that would do is that would go either, uh, I don't know what tickets that you have or which happened all the time. Oh, I'm sure. Or it was like, well, I like. Uh, they might get the name of the place wrong or they might get the name of the ticket wrong. But I think that one's better because, you know, you get, you know, X, Y, or Z in it. And even if they're right or wrong in their whatever that they said, I don't care. 
You right. just showed that you tried, right? You, you don't need to come in with all the answers. This is kind of what we're here here for, right? Is to teach you and to make you, you know, better and all that stuff. But you got to try. Like if you don't, if you're going to go into your job and the job that you're hiring from, and you don't know any of the partners, right? Like it's not that hard to find out. Like you just go to Celtics.com and like there's like banner ads like crazy and right. We just go on our social channel, like social channel. Watch TV once, right? right? Like <laughs> watch one of our games. It's that easy. One of our games. It's pretty easy, right? Like there's this injury lawyer that's all over the place. Yeah, uh, I, I wonder who sold that. One. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, like try effort, right. effort. The other so the OG T-shirt, Max. Yes. Two things in your life you control. Effort and attitude. Ooh, yes. So effort and attitude is a good t-shirt, right? So it's you give you put in full effort and you do it with a smile on your face. Right. You're good. Right. Where does people will teach you the rest? Where do you think like passion comes into that? Do you think that fits in the effort? Passion is in falls in my effort bucket, right? Like if you don't if you don't have passion, then you're not gonna then I think that uh, it's a correlated thing that you're not gonna put in effort because you don't really care right so then the effort can't be there right it makes you see what i'm saying yeah because i was going to say like i think another aspect of like when you're going through a hiring process and what sticks out to you is like when you see someone interviewing for a role that they're clearly very passionate about right Right. or like the the field that they're discussing right like for some of the folks that that we've talked to like you can tell they truly have a passion for like digital strategies and like partner strategy and it's like whoa like that's cool Right. Like it's such a niche thing to be passionate about. But you and this interview are truly showing that, like, it's something you care about. And it's like that person is probably going to be pretty good at the at the job because they care about it. And I think that's super important. And I also think, too, like the you know, you're probably whittling it down pretty good. And you might be at the point now where you can tell the difference besides somebody who's like, yeah, I've got some experience in content or strategy. And working for the Celtics would be awesome. Right. But they might not be passionate about it. So it like lose it. You you get left at that exit, right? Like if you're not genuinely passionate about it and it's not authentic, it's not comes across fake or anything like that. Right. You're in a good spot. And I also think too, that's like, it's a good thing to do going into whether it's a job interview a job application process is do some like self-reflection. It's like if you were to get this, is this something that like you want to do? Yeah. Right. 100%. And if the answer is no, great. Right. Like no is a great answer. Yeah. hundred percent gives you direction in something else, which is phenomenal. Right. No is great. Couldn't agree more. No is great. The, shirt. How There's many shirts t-shirt. do we make tonight? We're, what kind we're, of- Turning out T-shirts today. You got a connection with fanatics. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna be all, we're gonna be all over. Um. Well, good. This has been. I feel like we gave answers to a test today for people trying to get jobs. What do you think? I agree. Good answers. Good answers. Good, good answers. answers. Good. Um. Is there anything else that you'd like to impart wisdom? On said uh, front office features, uh, listeners? Eh, I think I'm all right. 
think this was pretty good. Max, this was think, fan. This was fantastic. I had a good time. This was this was better than pretty good. This was fantastic. I have sang you to you. I sent. Have you watched Curb Your Enthusiasm? All right. Yeah. So look, look, look. Here's the thing about Curb. I'm gonna. I wasn't a big TV guy either. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm on the plane to go to San Francisco for the finals. Okay. All of our mm-hmm. we're all there together. I don't really know anybody. Just kind of like, you know, just kind of. So anyway, I'm going through like the little screen on the back of the seat rest and like TV shows. And I throw in my headphones and I've heard about, you know, Curb and all that stuff. And I love Seinfeld. Giant Seinfeld fan. Fantastic. Yep. And Curb Your Enthusiasm calls. Like, well, I got a few hours to kill. And I watch episode one of season five. It's just the one that was there. Yep. I lose it, right? I am dying laughing <laughs> with a whole next to a whole bunch of people who have no earthly idea who the heck I am, what I'm about, any of that stuff. <laughs> They're just looking at like the tall, lanky guy dying laughing in the <laughs> back of the, the airplane. By himself. In the corner by myself <laughs> with headphones and just like crying, laughing. Um, so yes, I have uh I've gotten into curb um and and have in, enjoyed it. Uh the- it is my humor to a T. The the best thing about Curve is it obviously it's not for everybody, but the way I know it's it's really good is Courtney, my wife, is not similar to you, not a movie TV person. She'll watch good stuff, I recommend it, all that stuff. Whenever I come home from the office and she's been home for the day, I just walk in and she has just been rerunning Curve all day long <laughs> in the background. Like she's a physical therapist and she's like seeing patients and just Larry David's on the screen. Like, that's that's how I know Curb. Curb uh, is a good. Job. There's some of those things I just die. I like. I'm just. I literally laughed out loud multiple <laughs> times, and I I I was just. I, I've been hooked ever since. Top notch. Top notch. I agree. Max, this was phenomenal. Uh, Congratulations. You have you have as a young man, you have started a fantastic career. I'm going to be working for you one day. Um, I kind of do. I feel like sometimes. Um, no, I work for you guys. And, uh, but wonderful, wonderful stuff. I really appreciate um, you coming on. And uh, I will, uh, you know, I'll see you at work on Monday. Yeah, I'll see you there. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, see you, man. See ya.